to After All, the cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm your host, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCann. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I reiterate, it's nice to be back. It feels good. Yes, it does. So this week, we have Season 2, Episode 11. This is The Six and a Half Year Itch. Uh, Luke catches his favorite son-in-law at a movie theater with another woman. Dun dun dun. Mm-mm. The episode was directed by Jay Sandrich and written by our very own favorite, Treva Silverman. The best of the best. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, interesting episode. I mean, it all starts off and Mary Lou's looking for something to do because his wife is out of town. She's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, uh-huh. shout out to Ann Arbor. Yeah, been there. It's a nice place. It's lovely. You should go. You should visit. It's great. So she's away, and Lou is lonely, so he's looking for something to do, and he latches onto Mary's plans with Rhoda to go and see the new Fellini film, except he doesn't want to see the Fellini film, so he railroads their plans to go and see the new John Wayne, which in and of itself is... So sexist. Kind of exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> like, cool, 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 cool. Cool. Not not a problem. Not at all. No. So they go to see other. You know, every everything that we every episode that we do, Mm -hmm. there's always offshoots that have to do with male aggression and and uh, yeah, like sexism and you know all of that microaggressions and all of this bullshit. That I mean, let's let's face it, we still have to put up with in in certain ways, but. I we'll, leave we'll, we'll leave it for now. We'll leave it for now. And Mary's so kind that she says, fine. Yeah. So they go and see John Wayne. They go and see John Wayne. John Wayne. Je, John Wayne? John Wayne. Is John Wayne French? Mais oui. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so they go and see John Wayne. And uh, when arriving at the theater for John Wayne, uh, Lou sees his son-in-law. And, like, super excited, sits down next to him, and his son-in-law's looking a little, uh, uncomfortable. Awkward. Very awkward. Very uncomfortable. Nobody knows why. And then... We find out why. A little lady comes in. And I say little lady, but she's, like, quite petite. But a woman comes in. A woman who is not Lou's daughter. Daughter. Yeah. Saying, oh, you're in my seat. And they all kind of freeze and look at each other. And the son-in-law looks mortified. And it turns out he is there with another woman in a romantic capacity. They, I think it's in a, in a soon-to-be potential romantic capacity. Yeah. Well, I mean, he asked her there in a, roma- in a romantic capacity. With the hopes of bedding her. Yes. <laughs> so, William, 
I'm really looking forward to that dinner tomorrow. Oh. Where's Sarah? The oh. ladies? Uh... Oh, no. She's... Sarah? Huh? Oh, she's... Sarah. Yeah. She's home. Home? How come? Well, you know, she doesn't like John Wayne. My Sarah? I brought her up better than that. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, uh, she's not here because I'm working late tonight. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I, I gotta go now. You're gonna love the movie. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll Wait, see. Wait, did, isn't this the first show? Uh, oh, yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm up. How much more up can I get? Uh, you're sitting in my seat. <laughs> no, I'm not. Lou, you are. I'm afraid you are. Oh. Uh, Mr. Grant, here, you, uh, come and uh, sit next to me, right here, right here. I got the candy. You said anything not licorice, right? Oh, licorice, right. Oh, this is, uh, Patty... I, I, I can't remember your... Uh, Woods, with two O's. Oh. We just met. In here, you just met in here. Oh, no, no not in here. Uh, out there, in the world. We've been kind of smiling at each other for over a year, but we just made it official today. Uh, and, uh, Patty, this is, uh, this is Lou Grant, my, my wonderful guy. And he, nothing, well, we don't know this at this point, but nothing has happened. They've recently met, and that's it, and that's that. And fine, okay, whatever. But... Lou can't quite stomach this, so he gets up and they leave. And this is really, this is really the crux of the episode, and he doesn't want his wife to know or anything like that, and then eventually he and the son-in-law have a conversation, whereby the son-in-law reassures him, nothing happened, and I won't see her again, and I'll never do that, and it was like a moment of weakness. And then we get this weird hero speech from Lou about you know, oh, woe is me. I've never cheated. I've never cheated on my wife. Give me a cookie. I deserve to be celebrated. Oh, that's interesting that that's how you see it. Oh, that's totally how I see it. Oh, that's, I, I see it as, no, this is, I love my wife and, and I would never do that. Mm-hmm. I think he's slightly sheepish about it because as the son-in-law said, you're a man of the world, aren't you, Lou? He, 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 you know, yeah. wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Lou first kind of smiles and then goes, no, I love my wife. Mm-hmm. Hey, Lou, I, I don't blame you for being upset. But, but let's be frank, huh? I mean, you're a married man. You, you know how it is. You're <laughs> man of the world. <laughs> well, well? <laughs> no. I'm not a man of the world. What? Since I'm married, I uh, haven't been a man of the world once. Really? Lou? Well, haven't you even thought about... Sure thought about. Who doesn't think about? But uh, actually... And listen, if you open your mouth to anybody, then I'm not. No, no, I won't. I won't. I swear. Because I'm known around this town. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Not that there weren't temptations. During the war, there were lots of times. <laughs> I, I remember this one time with this nurse. A nurse, huh? 
She was giving me a back rub, and I got to thinking, well, but then, just like you, the next minute, something happened that I took as a sort of sign to not. So I didn't. What was the sign? The crowd started shelling the base. <laughs> That's the closest I got. The closest I ever got. How come, Lou? I mean, I mean, you've been married over 20 years and you've never... I mean, how come? I don't know. Well, hey, look, I don't mean to pry into I that. don't know. I guess I love her. I guess I love her. I... I figure that, uh, there are enough things in life where you cop out and compromise and make excuses. There's got to be one thing where you say, is this the way it should be, yes or no? And if it matters enough so that it's yes, then that's what you do. I love her. So that's what I do. And I, I see it more as he's he's kind of, he's okay with this. He's, you think he's ashamed of being well, yeah. loyal to his wife? That was a whole conversation. Oh, that's they, interesting. They that's say a, that he doesn't okay. want anybody, like, I think at the end of it, um, admittedly, we were a little distracted while we were watching the episode, but we have seen this one before. Yes, we have. Admitted, uh, he says, you know, you know, but don't tell anybody. Okay. And it's kind of this hush-hush thing because at the Keep time. Keep up the appearances of being a philanderer. Well, Exactly. I mean, if you think about even just the madman culture. For sure. And I knew that's where you were going. Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That, you know, we got in the 1950s and the 60s and into the 70s where it was commonplace. Like it was, it would be shocking to find out that a husband wasn't cheating on his wife when they lived and worked in the city. Like, and the wives turned a blind eye. Yeah, because that's just... Because that's just what you do, and yeah. it's a diversion, and I'm happy in the suburbs with my children and my glass of wine. Thanks. Exactly. Yeah. And this weird notion... And the pool boy. And it's, and it's this weird notion that, like, men, well, men have carnal needs, you know. And I can't be there to satisfy all of them. And it's like, bitch, please, no, you absolutely can be there to satisfy all of them because he should be there to satisfy all of yours. And if that's what's happening, everybody's going to be fine. Yeah. So it's this weird double standard that in a weird, if you really kind of look at it, it feels like it stems from this idea of men having more entitlement to physical pleasure than than women. Yeah, absolutely. Which, and I think that, that historically that's the way it's been approached, of oh, course. Yeah. Because women don't do it for pleasure. They do it for procreation, no. don't you know? And I've told you this. Yes. Uh, I may have mentioned it on the show, but when I was in grade eight, my homeroom teacher during our like girls-only sex ed class told the entire classroom full of girls that women seldom enjoy sex and it'll often just be uncomfortable. Wow. Told a group of like 13 and 14 year old girls. Wow. No, you never told me this. I've definitely told you this. Okay. Then it, maybe it was so shocking that you blocked it. Maybe, maybe, but yeah, that was the thing I was told and it, it screwed me up for a long time. How did you, how, how did you absorb that at the time? I was disappointed. (laughs) Like this is not what I signed up for being a girl sucks. Well, exactly. Yeah. I had this, I mean, I can't remember when I started having I can't, I can't remember the exact moment when I started actually thinking about sex, mm-hmm. but I know that there was, even at that point, it was kind of like, 
man, eventually when it happens, it's gonna be great. And I think I thought it would be like having chocolate cake or something. Like it yeah. would be this like well, hugely it, it, satisfying. It it is kind of the equivalent of having chocolate cake. It can be. It can be. Yeah. Yeah. But then she said this, and I was like, well, shit. That's so disappointing. Really? Yes. It was like I had all my dreams dashed in that moment. <laughs> but at the same time, it put this weird pressure on me. And I'd imagine some of the other girls in the class, like I can't speak to their experiences, but uh-huh. at least speaking for my own, it put this weird thought in my head that it that bad sex was okay. And like that sex that focused on anyone but me, so that focused on my partner, who should be male would be fine like that that was the purpose of it was it was for their pleasure not mine that's amazing that that would be when you were like 13 so that would have been like in the late 90s mid no early 2000s early or even later so early 2000s yeah for women to be for women to absorb that you were born in 88 so yeah early 2000s you're right around 2000 yeah for for young impressionable girls yep to absorb that kind of really um damaging hugely um misinformation it's really awful and the saddest part about it is now as an adult who has learned that's not the case. Absolutely. And to any young women who have who are listening, who may have been told this and that... It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It is not true at all. And if your partner is trying to make you feel guilty about wanting them, them. to explore things on your body, or you wanting to explore... Them, like, no, no, no. It's a mutual experience. Y'all should be enjoying each other equally mm-hmm. and interested in each other's enjoyment. With no holes barred. And no, and no uh, addendums or like... No. no. But I think about the saddest part of that is she must have believed that her whole life that teacher my teacher absolutely and she was in her i'd say 50s maybe 60s also older than me yeah older than you aren't yeah right older than you at the time definitely well and then she continues to be older than well yes (laughs) older than (laughs) i had okay you know what I've had a lot of coffee, and it's making the brain wired. But yes, older than you are now, older than you were then, older than you are, period, because well, she was older. As, <laughs> as you and I have had this conversation about some really interesting conversations that I've had yeah. with women friends who are my age mm-hmm. and who had a very unsatisfying sex life for decades mm-hmm. until they had a partner who made them realize that pleasure can be had in all oh, directions. Yeah. And it was like, wow. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad to think that you need to be in your 40s or 50s before you get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've been socialized to believe that. Yeah. And I mean, I'd had... Okay, I will admit, and this is, you know... I, we're honest and open with each other. We yes, have a very good relationship. Yes. So I'm... You know, I've had a lot of sex. Yes, most of it's been bad. Okay. That's, it's like, you know, it's a lot of it was not good because the majority of it was from young men who didn't understand that there is more, there is give and take, that there's give and take and there's more to sex than just, you know, penetration. Mm -hmm. And there's more to sex than just their pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple of partners who have really understood that, not many. Mm-hmm. And my current partner very much understands that. And it, so it took until I was in my 30s 
to really be with someone who prioritized my enjoyment as much as their own. Exactly. Yes. Who then in turn makes me want to prioritize their enjoyment as much as my own. So it's a win, 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 win. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It is just, you know, winning on winning on winning. Yeah. But that whole mentality, like I think about that teacher and it, it makes me really sad because yeah. she must believe that. And she must have spent her entire life believing that and right. dating and believing Was it. Was she married? And, yep. Really? Married with kids. <sighs> wow. Yep. That's hard. Yeah. 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 But, um, so yeah, you have to wonder the decades of teaching that she, you know, about these, these now how many young generations women, did she how many impact? generations did she fuck up? Yeah. No, exactly. Like yeah. how far did this go? Yes. What about her kids? Yes. But also like, poor you, like go get, go get you some, like yeah. enjoy, like now, having, having said that, yeah, my dear mother, I'm sure was quite the prude. Yeah. And I don't think she, she, her, her spawn are not prudish. No. I'd so, imagine not. well, I know two out of three are not. <laughs> I, I don't know. About, I don't know about the older one. It could be a little bit of a generation gap there. Interesting. But, but um, I think, I think the generations learn, like, I, I think you, you, you overcome some of the, mm-hmm. of the things that are thrown at you and say, hey, I know better and I, and I, I don't buy into that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It takes a little bit of, of courage and it takes, and it's a little bit scary to say, no, I, this is, this, this is not the route I'm going. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's honestly, it's really fascinating when you see, cause even the gap between like me and my roommate who's not much younger than me but she is younger than me mm-hmm. by about four or five years right and she has like no hang-ups about this stuff it's pretty amazing which to me is awesome i'm looking at her going like this is incredible we actually had a whole conversation about it last night where we were talking about like diverse sexual orientation the fact that i'm pansexual and she considers herself what did she call it heteroflexive which is that like flexitarian kind of <laughs> for se- like and i'd never cool. heard the term before but no. apparently it's like it, it's I, a thing hell i didn't know that pansexual was it was a term until until i decided to talk to someone about the fact that i Underway. didn't think i was straight and they're like i think you're this and i was like oh shit that fits but yeah so we were talking about that and everything i'm like i wish man because she's just always lived in her skin and been mm-hmm. who she is and i admire that so much because my God, did I put up with so much bullshit to make me have hangups. <laughs> and it is nice to watch someone not have not hangups. hangups. Yeah. So hopefully the next, the upcoming generations will have less and less hangups. And we see that, yeah. that demonstration of hangups in this episode to yes, bring it we back. Do. Because yes. we digress. Because we digress. We, yeah. As we are wont to do. So we see those hangups in this episode where. They're the one, the conversation about pleasure is happening on behalf of the men. Right. The women don't factor in. No. At all. We never hear Lou's no. daughter's take on things or like She's we, not we, even in the episode. We don't meet her. Exactly. Yeah. So she doesn't exist. This is a one-sided discussion about a man considering straying conceivably because he is sexually unsatisfied. Well, but he's also straying because it's in the movies, as he said, to quote him or yeah. misquote him. It's in the movies. It's in the books. It's on television. Everybody's doing it. Why not me? 
Exactly. So it's not even that he may necessarily be di- being dissatisfied, but it's let's let's sample the goods out there because that's what men do. Yep. Yeah. And it's utter nonsense. It's utter nonsense. Just completely. And it so where that comes in with Lou, because again, you're getting this kind of generational difference, but there's not much difference in behavior. And Lou kind of like, oh, don't tell anybody because he wants to look like the tough guy who Uh has the affairs Uh and is embarrassed to admit that he loves his wife enough to not cheat on her. And it's like, that shouldn't be something that you're embarrassed by. No. Like at all. Or that you get brownie points for. It should be the norm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean... It's like men getting brownie points for washing dishes. No, that's part of what you do if you live in a home with another human. I think it was, um, I haven't seen the newer one, but you know Ali Wong? No. She's a comedian. Okay. Uh, she has two Netflix specials, Baby Cobra, it was her first one, and another one. She's d- Both of them, they're stand-up com- comedy specials, both of which she did while she was pregnant. Okay. So one with her first kid, one with her second kid. And when she did her second one, yeah, it must have been, <laughs> some joke or, or something where she was saying, you know, I'm up here... And I'm pregnant, and, you know, somebody asked me after the show or something like this, like, well, who's with your baby? It's so sexist when people ask me, well, if you're here, then who's taking care of the baby? (laughs) Who the fuck do you think is taking care of the baby? It's like this weird idea that somehow the other parent doesn't factor in. No, or this presumption that like when me- that that dads babysit their kids. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm as per usual. I'm using air quotes on an auditory medium. It doesn't work well. You're Jewish. I'm you Jewish. Talk with your hands. Yeah, it happens. But yeah, this idea that like, oh wow, your husband's watching the kids while How you go out him. and have a career. How good of him. Uh-huh. Oh, and it's like, no, it's not. It's normal. It's normal. They're his kids too. Yep. So like men don't babysit their children. No. They parent. Like <laughs> the mothers do. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't just fall on us to be the breeders and the homekeepers. Mm. You know, we have mm-hmm. ambition, we have careers, and if we're Ali Wong, we have ambitions of kissing Keanu Reeves in our own movie. So, hey. <laughs> Incidentally, <laughs> always be my maybe. Delightful. Watch it. Okay. Um, on Netflix, incidentally. I incidentally. know I'm not being paid by them, believe it or not. No, but that's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so with the whole episode in this, I mean, it... I know it's supposed to be a happy ending whereby he decides not to cheat on his wife and it's like, oh, thank God he didn't do it. Yay, good for him. He made the hard choice. And it's kind of... But they all play uh, into... They kind of all play into it. Like Mary and Lou both play into, yeah, what what happened? Nothing happened. Oh, yeah. You know, it doesn't exist. So, yeah. the, the, you know, the closing little dialogue, it's, it's, let's just keep it all under our hats. And she's like... Keep what under Keep our what hats. Under hats. Like it never happened. And so it, it's all it's all again nudge nudge wink wink. wink. And it literally ends with that wink of them looking at each other like, "Am yeah. I right?" Yeah. Again, auditory medium, and I'm posing and winking. So, but, but yeah, to uphold the reputation, which is kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I I see that. And again, I think that is a 
that is something that over the 40 years since this episode was aired, mm-hmm. you, you can see the, the, the transition and the progression of how things that were considered cute and funny, mm-hmm. even when they're done by a, a, a feminist woman of that day. Oh, yeah. Uh, and she and she, and she plays into it. What's they make her play into it? They do. What's worst of all to me, aside because I mean, what's worst of all? I keep saying that. There's a lot that's bad in terms of the representation in this mm-hmm. episode. But what feels worst of all is that the infidelity, the impact of the potential infidelity on the wife is never considered. Yeah. It's never even factored in. It's all no. about the man's sacrifice by not cheating. By not doing it. And it yeah. never factors into the breach of trust, the heartache, yeah. the disappointment, the pain that comes with being on the other end of that. Mm-hmm. Or even just, like, be honest about it. Are you unhappy in your marriage? Mm. Are you... Is there something actually wrong? Are you, Have you as a couple grown apart? Is there room for growth and development? Or do you guys just need to get divorced? Mm-hmm. Like, have the hard conversations. Don't just be a coward and dive into the next lap that comes in front of you. I think... I think... Uh, I mean, I say that knowing full right. well that's this not is fair. A, this is a half-hour sitcom. Yes. So they're not going to delve into those deeper issues, but, mm-hmm. but they're real or they have potential for being real. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say before is, you know, the way the way it all ends happily that nothing ever happened and it's all okay sets the bar so incredibly low for that dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, wow, you were going to cheat and you didn't, and so you're a hero. Well, exactly. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not... Yeah, it's, 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 I can see how, yes, that's something I suppose to be proud of that you held back, but it doesn't solve whatever else is going on in your life. No, absolutely not. And again, negates the other side of the story. Like the non-existent wife. The non-existent wife. Yeah. The ornamental wife. Yes. And it also winds up positioning the act of infidelity as a trademark sign of masculinity that's right like you are a man if you do this boys will be boys exactly and men will fuck anything that walks yeah and that's fine because they're men that's what men do yeah they don't they're beholden to none it's like well maybe just never get married (laughs) so you're wild out have fun have lots of different girlfriends whatever do what you want do what you need to do until you're ready or never but don't enter into the institution yeah and that do you think the institution of marriage is obsolete? That is a very good question. No, I do not think it's obsolete, but I don't think it necessarily needs to be a default hmm. for every person or persons who are in a relationship. I think for some people it's uh, um, I think for some people it's wonderful and I think for other people it's not. And, I, and for some people, being married or living in a common-law relationship makes absolutely no difference. And for others, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to generalize and say that the institution of marriage is, is obsolete. I, I don't think it is. I think, I think there are a lot of very good things about marriage. Mm-hmm. So, no. I'm going to say no. That Why? it's not obsolete. That well, it's no, not cause... obsolete. But it used to be the 
only way mm-hmm. for a woman to be respectable. Yeah. Well, you're, I, either, you're either a wife, a widow, or a spinster. Exactly. And I think about the, um, you know the movie The Women? Yes, of course. Yeah. Like the, the version from 2006. Yes, yes. Yeah. I know and the one. you know that it was originally a movie in... From the, the 1930s. Yeah. Yes. And apparently, I think there was one before that in the 1920s, maybe? I don't know. And it's been a play. It has, yeah. Before yeah. it was a movie in the 30s with, like, Joan Crawford and them, it was a, a movie under a different title, but it's basically the same thing. Okay. But the one from the 30s, yeah. there is the character who, in the 2006 version, is played by Annette Bening... Yes. who is a magazine editor, yes. she's a professional woman, she's right. unmarried, she has, yes. you know, men are largely ornamental to her, and that's yes. fine. She just hasn't met somebody who can ha- who can handle her career-oriented ways and who satisfies her at the same time. Right. Fine. I get that. I, res- I dig that character hard, especially because, yeah. like, amazing. But in the 1930s version, that character is a tertiary character instead of a primary character, number oh, really? one. Okay. They also refer to her as a spinster. Oh, and wow. They actually use that word. They do. And they hint at the fact that she's a lesbian, which huh. is the only way to make it believable that a woman would choose a career over marriage because... and would remain unmarried right. into adulthood. Meanwhile, in the 2006 version... Her singleness is a, is is, a strength. Is, is, right. And it's just right. another choice. And there is a lesbian character who is totally out. Yeah. It's the Jada Pinkett Smith. Yep. Yeah. Who plays, who's a writer. Yeah. And yeah. so like she's an author. Yeah. As opposed to the magazine editor. Right. But it's, well, it's interesting. it's interesting then because then the Annette Benning character and the Jada Pinkett Smith character kind of become like Two separate characters instead almost, of the original one character? Kind of. Okay. There's a few different ones, but yeah, the best friend is given some of those single characteristics. Mm-hmm. But it's... Yeah, once upon a time, there was no other choice. No. And it was also, you know, we see these kind of conversations, which are still coming up. There was some bogus thing on Twitter. I can't remember who. It was like People or somebody who tweeted out a picture of uh, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. Oh, I saw that. That they had sex on their first date. Yeah. And what we care why. (gasps) Scandalous. I please. But they asked, they're like, would you ever even admit to having sex on the first date? As if it's something to be ashamed of. Is it a sin? Well, it reinforces this weird bullshit norm that it's like, well, if you have sex on the first date, then you're easy. And men don't want to marry an easy woman. (laughs) And it's like, okay, well, there are more goals in life than just getting married. Sometimes getting off is enough. (laughs) Like, come on. But it's it's nice that were able to do that now because obviously at this point you couldn't no and he's clearly very young yes like he's i don't even think he's in his 30s Uh, it's hard to tell yeah but lou is a young like lou to us in these episodes looks like he uh, looks older he looks older but i believe he's only like maybe in his late 40s in real life yeah exactly so his sons-in-law would be in their mid-20s maybe yeah Right? Yeah. This guy looks a little bit older, but everybody looked older. It, yeah. It was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> the slogan of the show. It was a different time. That's it. No, I mean, this episode is really interesting. Yeah. And it offers a lot to think about in very in terms spe- of sexual politics. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I guess, honestly, if, if we're thinking about the show in, its, in the context of when it was created... 
Which we do. Which, we do. We have to. Which have you to. help me ground well, <laughs> we have to. We have to keep going back there because to judge it, if we are judging it at all, mm-hmm. to, to view it through the lens of 2019 is really kind of unfair unless you're using that lens to see what changes, what progress, yeah. how more open society is now or how, more, how much more tolerant or how much... Further, we've come as as feminist women. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have to kind of look at it in in the context of its day. Yeah. So it's interesting. I'm, I'm forgetting what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting to look at it in the context of its day, which we need to do. But at the same time, uh, Mary Tyler Moore's desire with this show was to create something that would change the discourse. Yes. To an extent. To an extent. Yeah, I think so. It was creating... It was was groundbreaking for its day. It was creating a character who was unmarried, Mm -hmm. a female character who is the lead of the show, who is unmarried, whose sexual exploits are not the focus of the show, whose romantic exploits are not the focus of the show, marriage isn't a goal, whose career is the main focus, and life just happens. It's a very ordinary show whereby a woman is allowed to exist as a woman. In... Retrospect, the show's discourse, I think, becomes... I, I think episodes like this really lend itself to being discussed as a kind of... This is going to sound weird. A timely... A, a timeless time capsule? In a weird way? It's almost like we're being given these bites of the 1970s that we're able to read in multifaceted ways that continue to shift the discourse yeah that continue to yeah. allow us to look back and take something new out of it mm-hmm. so at the time this would have been like wow he's deciding not to cheat good for him whereas now we can look back and 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 say something else like something different so, so yeah we can take so, something else out of it and look at how far we've come our evolution changes our point of view mm-hmm. on this episode that is a time capsule. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Because that makes infinitely more sense than what I was trying to <laughs> no, say. No, it's all, it's all the same. It's, it's all, it's verbiage. 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 <laughs> verbiage with John Wynn. With John Wynn. <laughs> so that's the episode, guys. Next week, we will be looking at episode 12, Anchorman Overboard. Mary reluctantly arranges for Ted to speak at Phyllis's Women's Club. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Directed by Jay Sandrich and written by Lorenzo Music. So tune in next week where we see just how much Ted flops at public speaking in front of women. Ugh. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. In the meantime, feel free to check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, the Pocket Casts app, or Google Play Music, really wherever podcasts are found. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at After All Podcast. Or you can email us if you have any thoughts about the show at afterallpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time.